This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. I'm going to zap her again. Charge up the paddles. Come on, let's go, let's go. Sorry, Doctor. Hold the compressions. Clear. Straight line. Phone up. I am going to bone up. I'm doing it, bro. Are we recording already? Yep. Oh, fucker. Hey, now. What is up? This is Scott. And this is Rico. All right, Rico, you know what we need? What do we need? We need a review. Let's do it. We need a Siskel and Ebert thumbs up, thumbs down, preferably on Apple. Yeah. A line or two. It, I don't care if you give us a shitty review. The algorithm doesn't care. I, just I say something, something about us. One, say one word. Suck at something. Just say something. These guys are idiots. Worst podcast we've ever, ever. heard. Please don't make any more. Yep. Or if you like us, say you like us, but give us a review. We would appreciate it. Absolutely. What are we talking about tonight? So... There's a lot of great guitarists out there yeah. that, that everybody knows about. They get all the accolades, yada, yada. But on the other hand... On the other hand... We've got some that m- might be or underrated and don't get the attention they deserve. So You're right, sir. So we each made a list of guitar players who we feel are underrated. I don't think we've really talked about guitarists. like Not as much as... I thought we were going to up until this point. Yeah. And maybe we will, we will more. A lot about bands and like band history and albums. Yeah. We really haven't taken like, you know, talked about dudes. We will. Or ladies. We will. Or ladies. There's some good female guitarists out there. Uh, are you that. ready for my, uh, my. Yeah, you go first. List of underrated. I'll do one. You do one. Do, yeah. Do you want to do it like the favorites list, the or some of our other lists where we just flip flop and take turns. Let's do that. All That's right. a good format. Let's do that. So you All go right. first. So I've thought a lot about this, and I had a pretty long list going, but I had to kind of whittle away a little bit. Yeah. And I think I've come down to three that I feel pretty good about. Mm-hmm. And the first one is going to be none other than the purple one. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did this guy come to mind for you? Yeah, for, from Minnesota, right? That dude. Yeah. yeah, that dude is also on my list. So let's just. Is he really? Out. Yeah. Yeah, good for you, man. Yeah. That's cool. Um, This guy, this uh, cat is crazy underrated. Yeah, you know? he was he was once an unpronounceable symbol, if I recall. That's right. His name is actually Prince. It's on his birth certificate, if you can believe that. So I remember years ago. Yeah. Do you remember um, Guitar World magazine? Mm-hmm. I would buy Guitar World all the time. And at one point, they did a cover story with Prince on the cover. Mm -hmm. And here was Prince, dude, you don't really think of him. And the reason why I think he's underrated is that many people don't really think of him as a guitar player. 
And in this issue, he actually openly laments that. He's like, if there's one thing I always wanted to be known for, it was for playing the guitar. But people don't make that association with him. You know, he's known for his crazy vocal range. He's known for his movie. He's known for kind of the hyper-sexualization of a lot of his music. And, and all the, all the like, the James Brown type of dancing styles yep. that he always used to do, for sure. Everything but the guitar. But and just they, as a killer guitarist, he's just not thought of. No, and I think what people see when, when he was, like, that custom shaped guitar that he was always playing. I remember it. I think that people just see that as just kind of like uh, him just toting the guitar and not really know how to playing it, but just because it look makes him look cool, right? Yep. Au contraire. There's some old footage. I remember, geez, about a year or two ago, not too long ago, I found some old footage of him on Saturday Night Live, like, before he was a thing. Oh, really? So this is like Little Red Corvette days? Like like before Little Red Corvette. This was Oh wow. Yeah, this was this was oh, gosh. When he had that early eighties. Yeah, early eighties. He had a track called I think Bambi that had like some pretty ripping guitar in it. And, right. And back I don't even remember what song he was playing, but the only thing that I do remember is he had he had his guitar and it wasn't like the one that everybody knows. It was just I think it was shit. Maybe it was a telly or it was just he's played tellies. Yeah, I think it was a telly actually, if I'm not mistaken. And he was I couldn't believe it. I mean, listen, all you need to know is the probably the the one video that I'm sure you're going to bring up, right? Well, there is that. Yeah, I'm actually right now looking at an article. From, it's funny that you already know what video I'm talking about, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, yeah. it could be a couple. In my opinion, in recent memory, he's done. He's had like it's funny because for a guy who's not remembered as a guitar player solely, he's had like some iconic guitar moments. Like when you think of iconic guitar moments, you think of like Hendrix at Woodstock, right? And that like yep. things like that resonate. Maybe you think Jimmy Page on stage with like the the dragon jumpsuit playing Stairway to Heaven or something, you know, an iconic kind of guitar moment. He's had like you can seriously think, okay, the Super Bowl halftime show. Purple Rain in the Rain. Absolutely. That was amazing. And instantly iconic. Yeah. And then you think of, okay, the All-Star Jam at the Rock Hall, while my guitar gently weeps. That's when the he one just, I was talking about. Yeah, where he just slays. He's got like the red bowler on. Yes, and yeah. Yeah, I think he's playing a telly in that, too, yeah. if memory serves. But So he's had like some legit, like iconic like performances that were on a large stage. And that's mm -hmm. why I mentioned Hendrix at Woodstock because like the Super Bowl, that doesn't get any bigger than that. And then to have an iconic moment in that moment when people think like, holy shit, that was the Super Bowl halftime show, you know, or, or that was an iconic, a modern iconic guitar moment. That's real. That's bitching, man. Um, I just don't understand it. That the, the, my guitar gently weeps, um, video just <laughs> if you if you watch it and you're and you're watching the other guys watch him that's the best part because they're all watching him and they're and they're like fucking just go dude you, yeah. you do you you're on a roll you're in a zone bro just keep and it was just he was i couldn't believe it he was 
it was amazing. And he held so some back. With that. I, I've got this article here yeah. from the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, and they talk about um, they talk about that performance, and they say that he basically held back in rehearsal, and all the guys were you know stunned whenever he took the stage and, and uncorked that. You know, um, there's funny. a line in here where they say. Uh, the Guitar World piece that I mentioned from 94 says, mm. Prince told Guitar World magazine, I always wanted to be thought of as a guitarist, but you have a hit and you know what happens. And <clears throat> here's a quote where they're talking to uh, Charles Smith, who says, um, uh, let's see. Ultimately became a guitar guru himself, informed Smith that Prince didn't need to practice. He didn't feel he had to either, to which Smith replied by letting him know that he had it all wrong. Prince practices all the time. So it goes on in this article to talk about how he kept growing as a guitar player and got better and better. And people who were away from him for a while were stunned at like, you know, his dedication to the instrument and how he was making leaps and bounds of progress as a player, even after he was, you know, internationally famous and had made gobs and gobs of money. So it's just very interesting. Um, uh, so it's just interesting to me because he's just a guy that we just don't think of him as a guitar player. And if there's anybody out there who's a guitar player who, had, you know, thinks, oh, yeah, I had the lick to open when the doves cry or whatever, you know, big deal. Sit down and play Purple Rain. Try Look that. at the chord. The chord progression in that song is so cool, and your fingers are just piled up on top of one another when you're trying to yeah. fret those or, chords. Or play the, the solo to the end of Let's Go Crazy. Yeah. Try, try that out. Yeah. Go it's the, the dude is a serious, serious guitar player. Okay, so who do you got on your list, man? So that, that was one of my three. Um, it's a great choice. The, yeah, kudos to you too. Um, my, I, I want. I have to get this out of the way. You're going to call me a homer, but I don't really care because I pulled his name up on a lot of lists. Alex Lifeson, Nigel Tufnell. <laughs> no, oh, Alex. <laughs> Alex Lifeson. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking through a bunch of underrated lists and some greatest lists. Yeah, and. A lot of lists that I pulled up all had the same thing to say about him. He's underrated, and nobody knows why he's underrated. Everybody says the same thing about him. He's a fantastic guitar player. He's a great soloist. He's brought a unique sound to the industry, um, and, but nobody can figure it. The only, the only reason people have is because Rush is pigeonholed as a prog band, and Prague is not super user-friendly, and so therefore he doesn't get the run that he deserves. Yeah, I mean, it's like he has to, just like the band itself, I mean, his playing, probably more so than the other guys in the band, is, like, in my opinion, closely tied to those eras, right? It's mm -hmm. like Getty's approach to bass guitar doesn't change necessarily from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s, you know. But well, that's a Alex's really fantastic approach, point, actually. But Alex's approach changes decade to decade. In the 70s, he's very typical of 70s Marshall Stack hard rock guitar players. And then in the 80s, he changes his approach tremendously. He, he switches to a Paul Reed Smith. He uses less distortion. It sounds a little more chorusy. Chorusy, yep. which I hate the chorus effect, by yep. the way. I don't know how you feel about it, but I never, I'm ne I, don't, I don't like the sound of that. 
But yeah. yeah, he changes completely the the guitar he plays and more chorus in the eighties. And then in the nineties, in the aughts, he switches he switches to an Epiphone and gets heavier again. So yeah, yeah you're right. I so he's the guy who explores like different tones. Getty never really does and Getty's playing he's played kind the of, same Fender Strat for 40 years yeah and effectively the same bass Strat but the Fender bass right? yeah yep and effectively the same like kind of like bass tone you mm-hmm. know and and his playing fundamentally has kind of always been the same you know um, he's always been exceptional but you know you know he's got his thing that he does whereas Alex's playing is always evolving and always shifting and always kind of like going through little phases yeah, never, and never th- never thought of it in that way but you're right like in the 80s he takes more of a backseat supporting role like uh like uh like in in the police Andy Summer like Andy Summer like yeah. Andy Summer does yep. um yeah i just i i know i'm a huge rush fan but I still am sticking to this, and a lot of people online agree. The guy's just super underrated. He actually did. He was a fantastic soloist too. All you need to all you need to to hear is if you just dial up the. You don't even have to listen to the whole thing. If you just listen to the solo in La Via, and the solo in Limelight. Yeah, that, that's all you need to know. Yeah, he's the, the yeah. Limelight solo is so sad and melancholy, and it's so beautiful. And and the one in Lavia is just mind bending, and they're both super incredible. And if if you don't feel, and you know what's even weirder, I pulled up a greatest guitar list uh, for Rolling Stones, mind you. Hmm. You would think that these these guys would have some kind of semblance of a list. I have to tell you this: number four on the list, just as an aside, by the way, number four on this list of greatest fifty greatest guitars. Number four, I like the guy, but Keith Richards was number four on this list. Number four, Jerry Garcia was on this list. Jerry Garcia was 44 on For the list. For greatest guitar greatest players? Greatest guitar players. Jerry Garcia was on the list. Alex Lifeson, not even on the list. Not even oh, on that, the list. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, not even on the list. Rolling Stone wouldn't acknowledge that Rush even had a 50-year career. I know, I know. That's, but I just thought that that was pretty amazing that they would have jerry garcia on the list of greatest guitar players and not him hmm. and you know who else wasn't on there not up almost made my list but didn't and not on that list zach wilde wasn't on that list either yeah that doesn't surprise me either no nah, i think he's fantastic me. no i think he's I mean, he's i do rips a pentatonic scale like i'd love i love his playing don't get me wrong yeah. but i'm talking from a rolling stone magazine perspective that doesn't yeah. surprise me one yeah bit. there's probably that, yeah, there's probably a dozen players who I personally love, and and I feel like the rock community, right? The Rolling Stone is going to give it the rock hall treatment. You know, right. it's going to be yeah. I mean, Keith Richards is you know he's a great player, and he's he's a I consider him like a band guitar player. You know what I mean? He's like he's a band guy. I don't really. You, you know, know who I've seen on a lot of lists that that almost made my list that we were either on the list of greatest guitar players or on a list of underrated guitar players more than his brother Malcolm Young actually Malcolm Young For underrated underrated and greatest he, I I didn't see Angus on any list underrated or overrated but I saw Malcolm Young on several lists actually I think Angus is rated right where he belongs I yeah. think people who play guitar love him because they love the fact that actually both those guys are tone chasers but they don't do it with pedals they do it in an old school way with they're they're chasing the right amp and the right guitar 
really they've been playing the same guitars forever. But, yeah, I but mean, they're always anything they're, other than an SG. No, but yeah. I mean, but they're always like I guess the thing that guitar players like about those guys is there's a purity to what they do, and they respect the fact that they are so true to the form, if that makes sense. Yeah. You're never going to have an ACDC record that, that has, well, even that's not true. They had a brief window in the eighties where I wondered what they were doing, but um, they're, they're always going to have, you know, the right tone and be in pursuit of tone the way it should be done, I guess, in, in like the uh, truest sense, you know, like the key yeah. to ACDC tone is you don't even use gain. I mean, your gain <laughs> is going to be on three. It's just all volume. Yeah. It's just got to be really fucking loud so that those <laughs> amps are clipping. <laughs> but, but guitar players are always, it doesn't surprise me at Malcolm's on there because it's, it's almost like, oh gosh, how to put this into words. We all recognize that like when Malcolm is like playing TNT, that he's just playing in, you know, whatever it is, an EA and a G chord. Yeah. We, all, we all get that. But it's, it's not the fact that he's literally playing probably the first three songs, three chords you learn on the instrument. Like <laughs> right. none of us, that's not the point. It's, it's the point is that one, he has the balls to get up there and do it. You know what I mean? True. Because it does take a little bit of shutspot to say, okay, I'm going to get up here and I'm just going to defiantly rock the first three chords that you learn on the inter- instrument. I'm going to own these basic chords and I'm going to own them like a mother. And it's all I'm ever going to do, yeah. you know? But it's like, it's it's hard to put into words. There's just a purity and an authenticity to what they do that just resonates with guitar players. So it doesn't surprise me that Malcolm would be on there. And it's the fact, too, that there's an authenticity to what he does because he, he refuses to play lead. I mean, he just plays those chords. And I think there's just something well, that... He has a lead, a, a, a solo. On, yeah, yeah. yeah. On uh, what track I is it? I can't remember. Soul, Soul Stripper? Yeah, it's Soul Stripper. Soul Stripper. He's got a, he's got a lead on that track. A solo yeah. on that one. So he he could, he could, but he just doesn't. But he's almost like in the same, you know, Keith Richards world. Of, These are right. guys that are just banging out the rhythm guitar yeah. in the purest form in a band. And there's so, nothing wrong with that, man. No, not at all. Anybody who just wants to be a shredder, talk, talk to Paul Stanley about the value of being a great rhythm guitar player. Well, you got to have somebody in a band. I mean, I don't care how complex your music is. You got to have somebody in the band who's willing to lay it down. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, yeah, there's got to be somebody just laying it down so that everybody else has a, a house to stand on. Yeah. You know? But anyway, who's that's, your, that's uh, interesting. Who's your second one? I'm going to go with the edge from U two. Saw that. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Honestly, I are you a U2 fan at all? I'm 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 not not a fan, if that makes sense. I never went out of my way to listen to them, but I never avoided them at the same time, if that makes sense. So I could be a fan, but I don't I've never really I probably have never listened to anything other than what was played on the radio. There was a honestly. window of time where they were probably my favorite band. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. And <clears throat> you probably hit Joshua Tree a few dozen times, right? Yeah, but you know what? I didn't come on board with that record. No. I, I, 
was in high school in the 90s, and so Actung Baby came out. Oh, I right. really got on board with Actung Baby, and I had to yeah. go back and kind of find Unforgettable Fire and War and Joshua Tree. And obviously, some of those songs I knew from MTV and all that, but they just didn't click with me. I do like that song they did for Batman. Oh, was that Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me? Yeah. Yeah. They, I like that a lot, actually. The Edge, to me, blew my mind back in the day. Yeah. And I consider yeah, him tell me about that. I consider him underrated because he's not a guy that you're going to see like on a guitar player's list, you know. He's not Eddie Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix. If, if he take he rarely takes a lead and if he does, it's like he might play a note. <laughs> you know what I mean? And kind of just hit it a few times with like some delay or something, right? It's like he he is a guy to me that blew my mind. I I loved the police and I loved Andy Summers and I loved those guys that looked at at the guitar player's role of like, oh, I'm just gonna add texture to the band. You yeah. know? And I saw him as like a texture guy. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. was just adding kind of like you had Larry Mullen Jr. and Adam Clayton just holding down kind of the rhythm section right again, very ACDC-ish with just, you know, a simple beat and a simple bass line. And you had this guy just adding color, you know, and he was never doing it in like a traditional sense. It's like they're not really often even like chord identifiable chord progressions. They're just like washes of color and texture over the music. And it's a good description. And I love the way he colored everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when Actung Baby comes out, it was like they completely shedded their 80s sound of, you know, the the delay that he, you know, that you think of when you think of, you know, where the streets have no name and, you know, all those Joshua Tree tracks where Mm -hmm. you just hear that, you know, pride from Unforgettable Fire. You hear that delayed kind of clean tone, you know, that 16th note delay. And it's kind of like, oh, it makes you think of the 80s a little bit. You know, it's got a little bit of that sensibility to it, but but almost in like an Americana kind of way, which made it unique because it wasn't like in a goth kind of way, like The Cure has some of that going on, but it was like more in an Americana kind of way, and which is interesting for a band from, you know, Ireland. Right. But he, he just, I was just blown away. I was like, this guy. So then when I heard, Act Tongue Baby, it was like they threw all of that shit from the 80s out, and he just went with like this noise guitar where it was like you heard, you know, the fly and mysterious ways, and you just, I mean, everything on that record was just sonic noise, and it was almost as if they just said, okay, the 90s are here now. And we're getting out ahead of this, ahead of all the other alternative shit. And we're saying all that guitar shit from the 80s is done. It's just now the 90s are here and it's just pure creativity. It's avant-garde. It's where the rules are no longer here. It's all over. It's the 90s. It's about creativity now. And and if you think about it, like that was the template for the entire decade, or at least the first half of it, you know, that you would see with the alternative movement. And I feel like you too just kicked that door open by by reinventing themselves. And it was all the edge, man. I mean, he was that guy with, again, you know, the smorgasbord of effects pedals. And there was a VHS tape back then. Um, it was, uh, was it Zoo TV? And I had an apartment and I didn't have cable television and the antenna only ever got me the nanny at like midnight. 
And so I would watch, I had three VHS tapes. I had Zoo TV, I had Clerks, and I had Dawn of the Dead, Romero's Dawn nice. of the Dead. So I would watch like one of those three on any given day. And that Zoo, t- that zoo station or Zoo TV, whatever it was called, VHS I tape, I remember was an TV. amazing concert, man. And I would just yeah. watch the edge and I'm like, this is the baddest motherfucker. You know, what he's doing with the instrument, his whole approach was like, if I pick up the guitar, I don't even think about like how to make sound like that come out of it. And if I was standing in a garage with a band, I've done that. I don't know how to like even approach a song the way he does. You know, it's just completely of its own thing. It's like, he just refuses to kind of approach the instrument the way like literally millions of other people do. He just absolutely has his own stamp and his own voice and he's always evolving it. You know, it's always evolving. It's always changing. And so, you know, if for no other reason, Act Tongue Baby, like that whole record, I think is a masterpiece, like top to bottom. It's just, go listen to Love is Blind, the closing track on the record. Listen to his solo on it. It's sad. It's like one note. It's kind of, it's kind of atonal. And it's just like, it's so beautiful. It's just, it's, 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 it's real, like, like an artistic statement. So Big hey, if there's anybody who, who is fan of Octon Baby, leave us some comments about that. Because I haven't listened to it. I want to hear what you guys have to say. And I'm going to check it out myself. All right. Who's so, your... This one I've had trouble with. Do you have another one? Yeah, I have one. But, I mean, de- depending on your answer, um, are we are we limited to rock guitars? No, What's man. the rules here? No. Pick an underrated dude. All right. It can be me. I mean, I'm extreme. I'm rated just right where I I belong. I pick pick Scott Rattan (laughs) as my third underrated guitar player. No, if if I can go outside of rock, then then it's. I I think my choice would be Roy Clark. Oh wow, that's a great choice. That didn't even occur to me. Yeah, Roy Clark would be my fucking hee haw, man. Yeah, what a great choice. If anybody. Probably the people who listen to us that are, you know, our age, who are alive in the 70s. Senior citizens, elderly. Yeah, have seen Hee Haw, and, and probably most people know Roy Clark is, this, is the guy from Hee Haw, right? Picking and grinning, right? Remember that? Picking and grinning? Yeah. However, if you ever go to YouTube and dial up some footage of him in black and white when he was younger, dude could shred like a mother. Oh yeah! Like his. Pick- what's the one on him with the odd couple with Klugman and uh, and fucking what's his fuck? He's <laughs> what's playing, his name? He's play, he's play, Jack play- Klugman and who's the other actor from the Odd Couple? I'm totally spacing on Tony. Uh, oh, Tony Randall. Tony Randall. Tony that's Randall. it. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. he's on that show with and- the acoustic. Yeah, I know the name of the song. It's called Malaganya. Yeah, and like your jaws on the floor. Yeah, Malaganya. If if nobody's heard him play this, he's done this several times actually, but. Yeah, he did it on Odd Couple once. It he it's an acoustic song, and it's 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 in the style of Spanish guitar, right, or Latin guitar. Yeah. And he destroys everybody. Please look up him playing Malaganya. He does that in the seventies. 
when he's a little bit older and he just rips it man it's incredible and and you see the look on their faces when he's playing it oh yeah they're flabbergasted yeah it's not acting it's like a real moment of two dudes who have stepped outside of the role that they're playing and are just like blown they're genuinely amazed that's a fucking great pick man he didn't even occur to me and i was racking my brain for i had a long list of players yeah and that one did not make my list, and I'm kind of surprised that I didn't think of that. But but if anybody dials up some old footage of him in the 50s and early 60s when it was shot in black and white, his 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 he's picking so fast and it's so clean. Yeah, there's no distortion. So yep. when, when you make nothing to hide one, behind, there's nothing to hide, yep. and it is freaking tight as a whistle, dude. And it's he is so freaking talented that he. Sorry, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Yeah. Just how good of a guitar player. It's really he was. true, man. But his spirit lives on in John Five. I mean, John, you familiar with John Five yes. at all? He's yeah. a total. For one thing, he's a total hee haw nut. And he's <laughs> I a, didn't know he's that. a horror movie nut. So I he's got that. a uh, he's got a sketch on uh, YouTube where he does a little show called Hell Haw. He's got some pretty cool te- tellies that he plays. Yeah, but he's a total. He's a total. Roy Clark like yeah. worshiper and he can do that fucking crazy insane picking crap but yeah go to go to YouTube and check out John 5 doing hell haw John 5 can and, play yeah he's a sick player. oh he he yeah. can he can play but he's no a hee haw guy I, I mean, didn't know that. Oh yeah, he's That's a total. He's a total. He his favorite hee haw and kiss is what this dude's all about. <laughs> I like him more. Yeah, now because I of that. I would love to go see John Five and the Creatures in concert. It's all instrumental. Cool. If you ever bring them up, bring up some John Five and the Creatures on YouTube and watch some of their shows. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Just if if he's ever if he's ever around, shit. maybe we should go see that. All right, so my third, yeah, who's your third and final pick before we wrap up our lists of underrated guitarists is I'm going to go with, are there any cult fans out there? Because I'm going to go with one, Billy Duffy from The Cult. Interesting. Who's a cat who I always have just dug his playing, and he's another dude that evolved his sound. The Cult is what I think, I love The Cult. I think they're an underrated band, underrated player, underrated singer, Underrated across the board. They are a band that, if I can riff on the cult for a minute, they're one of the few bands that like put out albums now that are as good or better than what they were putting out in their quote unquote prime. And they're also like age appropriate albums that like a middle aged dude can listen to and not feel embarrassed about. <laughs> they they have matured and they wear their age and their songwriting has grown and their new records. I'm talking about like Choice of Weapon and Born Into This and uh, Beyond Good and Evil. They're great fucking albums, man. But Billy Duffy has always, always, always been. Just what I would think of when I think of an underrated guy is that he always is plays what's right for the song, never steps outside of kind of what is necessary. He's never a me guy in the band. There's never any of those kind of gratuitous, I'm the guitar player, I've got to have the spotlight moments. He's adapted and evolved his sound over time. When the cult started out, they were like a goth punk band when they were the Southern Death Cult. Then they put out a great gothic album called Love when he's got, you know, all these 80s, you know, cure kind of police. Again, early U2 guitar sounds with the the choruses and the delay that you would associate with 80s. But then he evolves it into like a hard rock sound. It's more of a pure kind of martial sound with Sonic Temple. And then as he's gotten 
you know, further in down to the career, you know, in the 90s, he had like an alternative kind of thing going, which was kind of the, the trend of the time, but it was like a dirty U2 kind of sound. But the dude has just always been like what I just consider just an ace spot on player who just always has rad parts that just fit the song. They always make me want to learn them. When I hear them, I'm like, oh, I got to learn that on guitar. That's fucking cool, man. They're just always tasty is the word that comes to mind. They're always tasty guitar parts that just suit the song. And it's like, that's like the most, if you're in a band, that's like what better role to play than always bringing good tone and taste to the band and always being in service of the song. And he just doesn't get credit for that. He never shows up in any list. No one ever says, oh, he's my guy. You know, no one ever sets out to be the next Billy Duffy. But like, really, you should, because he's a guy who just, in terms of how he approaches his career, craft is always in service of the song and the band and never a me dude would you rather would you i i think as you were saying tasty i think i would be happier if somebody described my guitar playing as tasty oh totally i would be happier with that description than any other description totally if somebody called me tasty like as a guitar player totally i would Dude, that would be the best. Because you, be you know so why you're thinking that? Because you're thinking of it because to you, that's defined the same way in your brain as it is mine. As like, oh, that that double stop lick is just, it's on point. Yes. It's executed perfectly. Yeah. The tone is there. Yes. And it's right where it needs to be at the right moment and in that the song. And that bend is perfect. Yeah. And, and, it's, the, and it's, the vibrato just gives the perfect texture. It's just tasty. Tasty. And then and because of like... Like nobody, when people sit down to learn guitar, they never like say, oh, I want to be really great at phrasing. Yeah. They're always like, oh, I want to be able to play that rad lick or that flashy lick. They're never phrasing. Nobody ever talks about phrasing. The space in between, the blank space in between what you play is what matters, you know? And he's a guy that just has, he's everything he does is phrased perfectly. It's always tasty. The tone is always on point. And it's like literally, you're talking about a band that's been around forever now. And it's never not the case. Album after album. And again, their recent act three of their career, you know, this latter half of their career is strong as fuck. The cult albums that have been done in the last 20 years are among the, they're better than what they did in the first decade and a half of their career. Mm -hmm. So they're just, it's, and it's all again, when I hear this shit, I'm like, oh man, I want to get that tone. I like what he's playing there. It's always like, oh man, that dude is doing cool shit. And it's like, it always, when I hear him, I'm always thinking that, but yet I never see him come up in any list anywhere of anyone else. Maybe I'm alone in feeling that way, but there's no one else who ever, ever, you know, and and I know the cult don't have a huge following, but it's, and and to be honest with you, I, I've never listened to anything they've done. So I'm going to now. After, you know, Firewoman and probably, I mean, I probably she sells recognize Sanctuary stuff, and stuff. But some of that stuff's been in car commercials yeah, and stuff. But but, but I'll, I'll go out of my way to listen to them now. Yeah, he's sure just because of that. Just a tasty that, fucking guitar player. And it's like, you who know, doesn't want to listen to some tasty guitar player? Yeah, it's just a dude that does what's you know should be done for the fucking song which yeah. is something that like unfortunately it feel like there's a lot of me guys out there especially in the guitar player world it's like it's you know this, they just want to gymnastics all up and yeah. down and it's stupid yeah there's t- nothing wrong with being tasty tasty's better be tasty 
Hey, before we wrap this up, I forgot to mention the zero shoes that I'm wearing. I'm still wearing the Prio. I wear them every fucking day. They're, I can't, I mean, I'm stunned at how comfortable these freaking shoes are. Please don't take my word for it, though. It's zero with an X, zeroshoes.com forward slash go forward slash RNRA affiliate. Find out for yourself. Buy yourself a pair. You will not regret it. I promise. Anyway, I needed to get that in real quick. And also, like we said before, please leave us comments because it's really important to us. Having said that, do you have one quick, like, um, that almost made your list that didn't? I have one quick one that I wanted to Quickly, I would say Dick Wagner was a guy that I really thought about putting on the list. No one knows who he is. He's a He's a guy who played with Lou Reed. He played with Kiss. He played with Alice Cooper. But no one knows who the fuck he is because he's a session guy uh, who was called in he, to play on Destroyer <laughs> because Ace Freely couldn't cut it. Uh, he played on a shit ton and co-wrote a shit ton of Alice Cooper, both solo and Alice Cooper band tracks. Um, uh, huge Alice Cooper songs like Only Women Bleed. Probably my favorite Lou Reed record is the live album, Rock and Roll Animal, and he plays on that live record, and no one knows who the fuck he is. He's from Michigan, Detroit guy. Michigan's got a ton of great guitar players come out of Michigan. Nobody appreciates Dick Wagner. He passed away a few years ago. Um, The dude, if you look him up, look up his wiki and look at his songwriting credits as a studio guy. And he's played on some of your favorite songs ever recorded from some of your favorite bands, and you have no idea. That's cool, so, man. Dick Wagner deserves props for being one of these kind of unsung dudes in rock history who just contributed like killer shit to killer bands on killer records, and no one knows who the fuck he is. Dick Wagner. Dick Wagner, sweet. My quick one, I was going to, uh, Brian May from Queen. Yeah, he's a great player. The problem with him is that he had to live in Freddie Mercury's shadow, and then that was really it. He otherwise he probably would have got a little more cred for how good he really freaking is. His guitar playing is just stellar. His soloing is always amazing. An instantly identifiable tone. Absolutely, it's like again, dude. When you talk about tone, guys. Yeah. Oh, he's a guy who recognize instantly. Yep, has a sound mm-hmm. and he stuck with it. It's his sound and you know it immediately. I don't know if it's because he plays with a coin or because he built that guitar, guitar with his dad. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. but he's got a, a unique tone mm-hmm. that and even though Queen as we've discussed previously is a band that wears a lot of different hats in mm-hmm. terms of the music they play, his tone within that is always pretty consistent. Pretty consistent. And so he's yeah, I mean, what more do you want? Again, if I was a guitar player and someone were to describe me and say, oh, I know him when I hear him. You know, that's another one of those. It's like Recon- instantly recognizable. Instantly recognizable. Dude didn't play yeah. a lot of pedals, just one tone every yep. single time. Yep. Solid as a rock, nice, tasty soloing, yep. appropriate for the song. Like his Bohemian Rhapsody solo is just oh, yeah, it's, incredible. Yeah, it's iconic. But yeah. you don't think about the solo because all the rest of the song overshadows his playing. Yeah, because it's so kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, it's a great song. I love it. But yeah. I mean it's but it's a ridiculous song. If we yeah. can't admit that to one another, then we need we need to open up about 
we need to be, you know, open about this sort of yeah. stuff. But. What about um, Best Friend? You know that song? Yeah, of course. Yeah. His his so his playing and I, that's probably one of my more favorite songs of his that he plays is Best Friend. Love that song. Always have, and I, I think that his part in that is incredible, and that's one of the more memorable ones of his for me. Yeah, and he's not a guy that you see show up on like greatest guitar player. Lists. No, because he's yeah. out discovering new planets and systems and shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's a physicist, dude. Yep. All right, man. So anyway, that's, that'd be it. So take it easy. All right, later. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah. Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. You guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later. <laughs>